Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Have you been listening to Build Your Brand podcast with Jeff Eccles? This week, we released episode nine, where Jeff shares his lessons on working toward a higher cause and finding your purpose. Build Your Brand is a story-based podcast focused on branding, culture, and storytelling for us, small firm architects. Jeff tells the fascinating stories behind the best brands in the world, analyzing their journey to the top and repackaging lessons learned as effective strategies for small firm architects on the way to becoming the best. This season at Build Your Brand is telling the story of Southwest Airlines. What can we as architects learn from one of the best brands in history? Listen and learn at Build Your Brand Podcast. Build Your Brand Podcast with Jeff Eccles. It's just one of the great podcasts you'll find at the network built for the AEC industry, Gable Media. Listen and subscribe today to all our shows at Gable Media, gablemedia.com, G-A-B-L, media.com. Hello, my name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each and every week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 331, Copywriting for Architects with Nikita Morrell. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAP, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more for free at RCAT.com, and Gusto, easy online payroll benefits and HR built for modern small businesses like ours. 
Nikita Morell, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. It's great to have you here. This is going to be a very interesting conversation. This is a topic that so many architects need to hear, <laughs> including myself. Um, it's a very, very important piece. We've, we've sort of danced around the topic of copywriting in the past, but we've never really had an entire podcast episode dedicated to it. And so I'm really excited to have you here, Nikita, to talk about words and why they matter and how we can use them to really communicate our message and our stories to the people that really matter. Nikita Morell is a copywriter and she's a marketing strategist for architects. She works with people like us and she's on a mission to fight Archibabble. Sort of, you know what that is. I don't even need to describe what Archibabble is. Uh, I'm sure Nikita may may also uh, def define it a little bit, but I'm sure. I'm sure you know exactly what it is. Um, uh, Nikita, it, I would love to hear your background um, about sort of what what inspired you to focus on marketing and uh, and copywriting and specifically working with architects. Tell us your origin story. Sure. So um, I guess I started in brand management. So working for big firms like L'Oreal and um, Tip Top, which is a big brand company over here in Australia. And um, so I got a, a very good foundation in what branding was, what marketing was, but I just knew it wasn't a good fit. And around about that time is when I fell in love with design. Um, I would walk into restaurants and rather in commenting about the food, I'd be looking at the lights and that. <laughs> so um, I did a, just a side hobby. I did a diploma in interior design. Um, and then from there, I thought, how can I get into this world? You know, I'm not equipped to be an architect or a designer. I just knew I didn't have it in me. But how can I help and, you know, put my skills towards this industry? So that's when I worked for an architect an architecture publishing magazine here in Sydney um, in the media department, which was a lot of selling, advertising, um, as well as dipping in and out of the editorial team as well, so doing a bit of writing there. Um, and then from there I thought, oh, you know, I just want to see what it's like to work inside an architecture firm. So I went in-house and started up. Um, I approached my favorite, one of my favorite architecture firms here and said, look, I know you don't have a marketing communications department. Let me start one up for you. So funnily enough, I think, um, you know, luckily enough, they agreed and I started their marketing communications department. Um, so I worked there, you know, three to four years and just kept thinking, you know, I can be doing this for more firms. And that's when I took the leap to start my own uh, practice. And I've been doing that now for around three and a half years. And um, yeah, I'm a copywriter, marketing strategist for architects. And, you know, I do prefer to work with small, the small guys, you know, so the solo kind of architects or the, the smaller teams. Yeah, that's us. That's our community. Yes. And I, I would I would love to to understand more about what you do. I mean, I understand you, you do copywriting and you do marketing, but what specifically when you're working with a small firm uh, in, in Australia or anywhere because you work anywhere in the world, um, what what do you typically do for somebody? Sure. So I guess it's it, every project starts off the same, whether it's copywriting, marketing, and I sit down and I, I call it a discovery session. Um, and whether it's face-to-face -face or, you know, via Zoom, I understand their practice and see what problems they're having. So it always starts with problems and solutions. So I don't even have set packages, you know. It's more just me going in and saying, okay, what's happening? You know, is it that your project pipeline, you're finding it hard to get projects in the door? Or is it that you keep attracting the wrong types of clients, you know, or the ones that you just really don't want to work with? Um, you know, so it's about finding their problems. And after that, that's when I come up with solutions. So sometimes I might say, look, you know, I think 
to get better referrals, um, you know, to get more referrals and that, you need a referral system in place. Or I think maybe your website needs to be redone or you need better marketing tactics, you know, um, and that's when the services kind of come. But yeah, it always starts with this kind of real deep dive into the practice and not on a shallow level, but I just really want to understand, you know, how their practice is working. Why did they start, um, you know, who they want to work with and things like that. What, what, what do you find is the most common problems or mistakes that architects are making? Um, I think, I mean, personally, I think that they're trying to service everyone um, all at the same time. You know, they say we're a multidisciplinary studio, we're a full service team and we're doing this, this and this and that. And I think, I don't know, um, I find that maybe it's a, it's a seen as a really good thing to be doing working on heaps of different projects and, you know, that diversity. But for me personally, um, and the things that I've seen work uh, are going in and saying, look, you need to do two things. You need to stand out. So, and then not only do you have to stand out and that when I say stand out, I mean brand identity, um, your tone of voice, you know, the way your, your logo, all that kind of thing. But you also need to stand for something, you know, be the expert in what you do, um, you know, have a value proposition. You know, I know that's a bit marketing jargon, but it's just it's just saying, you know, what you do, why you do it and who you do it for um, and have that area of expertise. And when those two things come together, what you find is for these smaller firms, they start to get what you call visible expertise. So they start being seen because they're standing out and they start being heard because they've got that expertise. So that's the main problem, I think, is they're just trying to, you know, be everything to everyone rather than really focusing on what they could add and play to their strengths. Yeah, it's a, it's very often to hear that architects want to be generalists um, and, and you see it all the time on their websites that they specialize in architecture of residential and commercial and industrial and, and restaurants. And we specialize in all of this. And first of all, you're not specializing in anything if you're specializing in everything. <laughs> um, but, but the idea of, of uh, focusing on one discipline or not one discipline, but, but becoming an expert in one uh, thing that you're known for is, is something that I've talked about for a long time, talking about target markets. Um, and I very often get pushback from architects who, especially now where the economy is starting to slow down in response to the crisis, um, that, uh, that, that, that um, a generalist way of working and the diversity that comes with that are, are, is what is most important now, right? Because if the projects are going to start going away, uh, having your foot in many different areas may be the thing that, uh, that brings us through. Um, what's your take on that? If, if, if focusing on one discipline or being an expert in something, I keep saying that, but being an expert in one thing, um, what if that one thing goes away in terms of when the economy goes away? That's, that's an argument that I hear very often. Definitely. And that's what that's the pushback I normally get is like, yeah, Nikita, if the market shifts or as you said, like, you know, that market goes away. And yes, look, but what I'm trying to say is that you don't it's not that you put everything into this one market. You can take other types of jobs, but outwardly facing you become an expert. And when you become that expert, what you can see is you can pivot slightly. So it's I know that word's been thrown around a lot lately, but it just means that you can go and just work outside what you're currently doing. So for example, um, you know, in my business, I'm an, a writer for architects, but mm -hmm. if for whatever reason, you know, I want to move on, I want to do something different, I can work in, um, you know, with architectural software or architectural product supplies. So it's, it's finding different ways in, but I, if, if you had that knowledge, if you had that expertise, what happens is rather than becoming an order taker, you just start becoming 
an expert advisor and people trust you no matter what mm-hmm. you do, they trust you. So even if you say, look, you know, the hospitality market's a bit down at the moment and that's what you put your expertise in. If you can have a whole heap of projects that you can show and people trust that you've got the skills, you can then apply it to their project. So that's the thinking around that. Yeah. And if the market shrinks, who are those clients going to look for? They're going yeah. to look for the expert, right? They're going to pick the expert over the generalist because that's the market. That's the expert. That's the one that's going to be most qualified or at least perceived to be the most qualified uh, to take on their project. Um, I agree. Um, and so architects need to stand out. They need to focus on their brand and and stand for something. I love that. So stand out and stand for something. Um, so you need to sort of uh, differentiate yourself and, and have a strong brand. And then you also need to stand for something and have some sort of expertise. Can we get into value proposition a, a little bit? I, I've heard that term over and over again. Uh, can you explain what that means and, and how architects should be looking at that and, and using something like that? Sure. So what it is, I mean, really put simply, it's how you're different. Like, what's your point of difference? Like, And not only that is what value are you bringing to any project? So um, a good template I like to think of is, you know, you know, we do X for Z, you know, or for Y by doing Z. So it's just saying like what you do, you know, so we build um, – you know, beautiful homes for growing families so they can be proud of where they live or so they can, you know, have fun or whatever it is. But it's just saying what you do, who you do it for and why you do it, kind of around that. And the best place um, to put your value proposition, and this is where, you know, my my defense for words comes in, but is on smack bang on your homepage um, above the fold. So, you know, when you first enter it, I think that, so when people uh, hop onto your website, they know who you are and what you stand for, you know, and I think that's a a piece a lot of architects are missing is they're not communicating what that is. And, you know, your value proposition, as I said, there are so many templates and I'm happy to share on the show notes or something, some different ones, but it's not about being creative or tricky or clever. It's just saying what you do. And I think that's a big piece is a lot of architects are hesitant to put it in words because they think, well, you know, it, it, it sounds so boring, but it doesn't have to be creative. Your value proposition, it has to be just simple and understandable. Simple and understandable. Right. Yeah. And and I think many architects want to create archibabble, right? They want to create this beautiful sentence. There were multiple sentences that very, you know, want to sound very intelligent and and it gets confusing, right? And so if you need to communicate something to a client, it needs to be as simple and straightforward as it possibly can. Um, and it needs to be right there above the fold. It needs to be there as soon as they click on your website, they need to know it instantly what you do, who you do it for, and why you do it um, uh, within seconds, right? Because if, it's, if they don't click right away, they're on to the, next, to the next site. So it all comes down to the words, right? Which is why... I wanted you on the show because I want to talk about the words. How important are those words? Um, and how do architects sort sort of find the right words? Yeah, so uh, two, two-part question. I think words are very important. And I, you know, speaking to architects and working with architects are that you, you are predominantly visual creatures. You do like things in graphics and, and visual form. Uh, but the problem with that is, is yes, it is important to have beautiful imagery, not denying that, but words and images need to work together. And the reason for that is that images are great, but words add context. Words can tell a story. Um, even in terms of memorability, like, you know, things being remembered, if you have a, like a dozen different images and you start scrolling, you 
start to forget them. Whereas if words are associated with a picture and you start to evoke emotion and a connection, that can be remembered a little bit better. Um, and, you know, again, with an image, you look at an image and you don't know where to focus on. You know, someone might see something, another person might be looking at, you know, a timber detail, another person might be looking at the way it's said. So words add, um, I guess, direction and focus. They tell you what to focus on. Um, and that can be helpful because if you don't do that, then you're leaving it up to the viewer or the reader or whoever it is just to look at it and to make up their own assumptions. Um, and everyone comes with pre-prepared stories in their minds. So it's up to you to step in and say, look, this is what you should be looking at. Um, and that's it. And, um, yeah, so I think that's why words are important. Um, sorry, Mark, I forgot. What was the second part? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, but, here, but here's another question. The other question yeah. is, is so let's say we're, we're a residential architecture firm and I uh, create a, a, a value proposition, a really simple statement that I'm going to put on my website um, so people know who, who I am, what I stand for, and who I serve. Uh, how do I make, and I want to differentiate myself, right? So now I, I've made it very simple, very straightforward, but I, yet I still need to differentiate myself. If it gets too simple and too basic, how do I differentiate myself from the other 10 other, other residential architects that my clients are looking at? So there are a lot of different ways. Um, and again, simple doesn't mean that you're, you know, trying to become generic and everyone else. But what you need to do, you need to, when you write anything, when you start, you need to, um, you know, you've spoken about this before on your podcast, but you need to start with that ideal client. You know, who is that one person that you are writing for? And I always say to architects, when you're writing, when you sit down to write your about page or, or whatever it is, your value proposition, you need to have that one person in mind. So just write to that one person. Um, and I guess in terms of the words you use and the way to differentiate yourself is you can use um, different tone of voice. Um, so some people might have a bit more, and I've seen it being done brilliantly, um, a bit more of a, a witty kind of tongue-in-cheek um, personality or come through that tone of voice. And again, it doesn't mean just by having a personality doesn't mean that you're being unprofessional. They can both work very well together. And I've seen it been done. Um, so yeah, or you might have a bit more of an informative, serious tone of voice. So what you're trying to do is create that brand and that brand's voice so that you sound different. So you're not only saying, oh, we're different because of the services we do, but we're also different because of the way we are. You know, when you work with us, um, this is, you know, it's almost like giving insight into the personality and the brand of the firm. So yeah, you can be playful or witty or, um, you know, if, you don't even have to feel pressured to be all those things, but you can be serious, um, but simple. But all I'm trying to say is that, yeah, you can sound different as well so that you almost feel different as a firm. And that's a really great way to cut through. Um, so when a, you know, a prospective client has 20 tabs open and they're looking at different firms that they might potentially use, if you just sound a little bit different, all of a sudden they're going to pay more attention to you. Um, so, yes. Yeah. And the, the importance of what you said in the very beginning of what you just said about understanding who your client is mm. um, and identifying, you know, a specific person uh, because what you need to write is it needs to resonate with them, right? They need to read it and they say, oh, that's me, right? What you just said is what I want. Um, and you can't do that unless you know specifically who you're talking to, how they think, how they feel, what gets them excited, what gets them upset. All of those things need to be understood in order to be able to write in a way uh, something that when they read it, it clicks with them. And, and you've experienced it. You, when you're on a website and you read 
uh, some specific text and it just feels good. It just feels right. It feels like I should be part of this and these, this company should be part of me. Um, that that's comes from those, the right words. And so, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's super important. This episode is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT and Gusto. You know, it might be a while before we start attending trade shows again. So what's your plan? What's your plan to stay up to date with new building products and building materials, information, all of that stuff that you find when you go to your expo? RCAT works with leading manufacturers to showcase their products and host their technical data. You can see what's new from your favorite manufacturers or find a product that you didn't even know you needed, just like you do when you walk the floor at your favorite expo. Looking for a way to keep up with your continuing education requirements? Did you know that RCAT works with manufacturers to list their latest continuing education courses so that you can get those credits while you stay at home? And best of all, like everything RCAT does, it's free. No payment, no subscriptions, no registration. You don't even need to give them your email. It's all there waiting for you for free. Use RCAT to keep up with the latest and greatest architectural products and let them know that we sent you so they know that you're a member of the Entree Architect community. Visit RCAT today at RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. RCAT.com. I know what it's like to be an entrepreneur architect because I'm a small firm architect too. I know what it's like to wear all those hats. And some of those hats are great, but some, like filing taxes and running payroll, not so great. That's where our friends at Gusto come in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses like ours. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and simple management tools all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your taxes so you don't have to worry about it. And when you're ready to add on health benefits or a 401k for your team, they can do that too. Easy, no stress. Those old school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way modern small businesses work, but Gusto is. So let them wear one of your many hats. You have better things to do, like being an architect. Members of the Entree Architect community receive three months free when you run your first payroll. Try a demo today and see for yourself at gusto.com slash architect. That's gusto.com slash architect. Arcat and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today. Let them know that Entree Architect sent you and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So once we sort of get those right words, um, what do you talk, what do you say to architects who are using their website? Uh, they want to have those beautiful, professionally photographed projects dead center and that's the most important piece and the architect you know the word sort of uh becomes secondary to that um what do you say to architects that want to have that visual based site they want it to look beautiful before it's it 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 before the words uh are are become prominent 
Look, there's, and that's the thing, like, I'm not saying that words need to be, you know, like size 40 font across <laughs> across your beautiful project image, but they can be interwoven and they can be seamlessly there. And and with those architects, I tell them, look, it doesn't have to be a lot of words. I'm not talking like big essays. I'm just talking about the right words. So, you know, um, there's a firm um, here in Australia called Trias and they have a beautiful website and that is their visuals are, they, you know, center stage, but the words just complement you know, them, it, just the images so beautifully and, and it talks to, you know, what they as a firm believe for, stand for. Um, and I think just something to add is that a lot of architects in their words, they're quite me-centric. Um, so actually last year I studied 663 architecture websites and I um, I made a video uh, for each day for 30 days um, just about all the different fixes and one of the biggest things is yeah they are me centric so it's all about you know we're an award-winning studio we've um, worked globally where we do this we do that and I think what needs to happen um, in the industry as a whole is instead of saying we're so amazing you know flip the script and say your project will be so amazing when you work with us so it's this idea about putting it back on the client and then you know you can strip the words back because it's just as you said before mark it's just like for them to hop onto the website and they've got these questions going through their head saying you know are these guys expensive can i trust them with my project you know have they got enough experience so it's about your words answering those questions before they have those objections have time to kind of you know expand in their heads right so if if a client gets to or a potential client gets to your website they read that first that first uh, a value proposition and, and it does click and they're excited about it and they click through to the other pages, those words are really important too, right? And so there's, there's the about me page or about us page that everybody has on their site and, and, uh, and project descriptions. Those are two pieces that are really difficult to write, right? Because I think that, that the about me page is always about me, right? And you were just talking <laughs> about how it shouldn't be about me. It should be about our client. And so, Let's let's talk about each one of those. Um, the about me page. I'm just going to call it about me, but but maybe there's a better better word that it should be. Um, and then also, how do we put together the right words for the images in our portfolio and the projects that we're we're presenting? So let's start with um, the about the about page. What what is your suggestion on the about page? Sure. So for, yeah, I think it should be called just about, I think sometimes people get a bit too creative and, you know, like our manifesto or our story is, you know, but I think sometimes about, because again, remember, this is the key thing to remember is that your prospective clients are most likely not other architects. So the more jargon that you put in, the more they're not going to, your prospective client may never have worked with an architect before. So you need to keep, that's why to keep it simple. But with the about page, it's actually, there's two parts to it. Um, and I think smaller firms get this a bit confused as well. There's the about section, which is about your practice. And then there's the bio, which is about you, you know, and that can get a bit confusing if you're just a solo firm and you're kind of like, where's the line drawn, but they're, they're two separate sections. So I'll, I'll run them through them a bit quickly, but the about section, yeah, that's about your practice. So what I tell my clients is that you need an opening hook. Like you need to really hook your readers in because otherwise they're not going to keep reading. So that opening line could be anything from like a quote to a belief statement to an interesting anecdote or a question, you know, something that's going to get the reader hooked in and really expresses the essence of your firm and why you started. And that why you started can get lost in the piece as well. I mean, if you've been in business 10 years, you lose focus as to why you actually started the damn thing. But yeah, so that's about 
uh, that's how to open it. And then again, it doesn't have to be a big essay. It can just be, you know, why you started. Forget all the award winning and all that. I mean, that can come right at the bottom. But talk about your beliefs. Like, what do you believe in? What's your design philosophy? What, you know, what gets you up and, you know, puts you at your desk every single day? So those kind of things. Um, the reason you do that is because the reader or prospective client, that's going to be more of an emotional connection. That's going to build the trust and familiar familiarity. And if you think about it, some prospective clients may not have even met you yet. So it's, it's you know, the first meeting, essentially. It's your first impression. So make it count. Um, and then after the about section, you know, is that bio. And the bio is more about you as a person. And again, look, Yes, include where you went to uni and include where you graduated and all your registration, all that. That's important. But, you know, you can even put it as a table down below. But what really matters is rather than talking about your achievements, talk about your ideas So and your, your strengths. Mm-hmm. So talk about you as a person um, because, again, it's your, it's your first impression. So rather than, you know, for example, say, you know, Really, it's a bit cliche, but you know, you're a people person, or you know, you have a specific passion in X, Y, Z, and this could be outside the realm of architecture. Get people to know you as a person. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, I went on a bit of a rant, but that's they're the two things that an about page should have, and beautiful images of yourself as well. I know a lot of architects shy away from having a headshot, but it's very important. Yeah, I mean, you again, you want to resonate, right? You want you want people to read that bio and and connect with you right you don't want to impress them you want to connect with them um the impression you know, impressing is important as well you want to prove that you're you're competent and you're and you're qualified um but you want to make that emotional connection with them um and i love that um so what about project descriptions so they 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 read about your firm they 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 love that there's the connection with the firm they believe what you believe and then they read on and they they read about you and your team and they made it, they're making a connection with you as people. Um, now they click over to the projects and they start going through the beautiful photographs. Um, first of all, should there be descriptions? And if there should be descriptions, how do you? What do you recommend in terms of how to write those descriptions? Sure. So first, yes, definitely there should be descriptions. And again, remember, I'm talking from the perspective of you getting better clients and more clients through the door and that you know it's different a description that you might write for an architecture journal very different to the one here remember you're talking to ideal clients and and you know it's the people you want to bring in and trust so they've got their own project in mind so when they click onto your project descriptions they're kind of scanning them saying okay this is similar yeah i can see so what you need to do with your project descriptions um you need to do two things. You need to tell a story. And I know this, again, is something that gets thrown around a lot, you know, tell a story or what. That's because it's important. (laughs) (laughs) But telling a story, exactly. And telling a story, really what it is, is when we read any story, it's again, what you just said, Mark, it's about having that emotional connection. It's about really kind of taking the reader on a journey. Um, So saying, this is what the brief was, and this is how we solved it. And, you know, design features. um, And this is, you know, how we kind of came to resolution, a design resolution. But the, the thing is, I think a lot of architects, they come to me and they think, well, how do I write about this thing? Like, where do I start? That's the mm-hmm. biggest question. Right. Where do I start? And I say, like, you know, it doesn't have to be a paragraph of text. Make subheadings, you know, like make it easy for a reader to skim because they're not going to sit there reading, you know, a fat block of text. So maybe have a subheading that says the brief. 
um, and then, you know, our solution or three design features. Um, and then that way in your mind, when you're sitting down to write as well, it just that blank page, it kind of, you're filling in the gaps. Um, and yeah, another thing in terms of mindset is when you are writing your project descriptions is if you are feeling stuck and it is, it's hard because you're, you're so close to it and things you think might be amazing. You know, remember, go back to the ideal client. Is Are they going to find that tiny detail, what you did, you know, or is it the bigger pitch that they want to know about the client and how the growing family is loving their new house? So you need to think about that. But I always say to clients, just pick someone, you know, call your mom, call a random colleague, call someone and just tell them, look, I just need to talk about this. Just listen. Um, and sometimes just talking about the project um, and, you know, voice record yourself. But just talking about it, that can get the ideas flowing. And then it's almost just translating those things into words. So that's, yeah, just one kind of yeah. tip or act that's that a, I that's think. A, but that's a good suggestion. The, the, um, that's, and that's, that's where Archibabble usually finds its way, right, into the websites is in, our, in those descriptions. Um, we try to be so, you know, uh, uh, elaborate in what we're writing. And, and again, we're trying to impress everybody. I love the idea of recording ourselves while we're tar- talking to somebody who may not know what we know, right? And so we have to explain it to them. And by explaining it to somebody who doesn't know, you'll be forced to simplify, simplify it and sort of bring it down to the level where everybody can, can understand it. I love that idea. Um, exactly. So any, anything else about descriptions? Um, or is that, is yeah, that, again, you need the images and words to work together. Yeah. So a lot of people say, well, do I start getting the images and then the words or which way does it go? And I always suggest, you know, you're a visual creature. So start with the images um, and then make sure that the words are telling a story and, and flowing as well. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to present. You can have like a carousel with images sliding or you can weave the text um, with the pictures like an editorial style. So, yeah, um, there are a lot of different ways to present that information and it's up to you and your brand and, and your ideal client what's going to resonate with them. So, yes. And then there's one last page that that is on every website and it's the contact page. Yes. Um, what is there anything that we could do other than sort of have a phone number and, you know, a form? Is there anything we can do to sort of continue making that connection with our clients on the contact page? Yeah, so I always talk about the contact page is like that long forgotten second cousin. Like it's just kind of chucked in at the end. No one really gives it much thought. Um, you know, you're exhausted by the time you get there. But for me, I find it a very important page because the whole point of your website, let's be honest, is to get great clients to get in touch with you or to feel that trust and connection. So, But the call to action of any website really is that let's just send me an email, let's set up a consultation or whatever it is. So when they get to that contact page, they need to, it's that final like, yep, I'm going to do this. Um, so a few things. Again, I think it's important to carry on that tone of voice. Um you know, so tell them, you know, if you have a project in mind or even if you're at the stage where you're just throwing ideas around, get in touch. So write that, you know. Um, and then with the contact form, um, which is very popular these days, I tell uh, um, clients this can almost act as your online security guard, right? What if you the more kind of filters and drop boxes you have, the more you're filtering out some of those people who just want to pick your brain or the tie kickers. So for example, I say, have a, have a drop down box for, you know, the budget and people kind of go a lot of architects. Oh, I don't want it. But you know, that's kind of setting um, an ideal client's expectations as well. Cause you know, the lowest budget, they might think, Oh, this is out of my budget. I'm you know not going to get in touch or, you know, say, 
describe your project in a few sentences. And by the responses, you'll be able to see if they're serious or not. If someone just writes one word, you think, mm. but if they take the time to say, this is what my needs are, then yeah, they might be a bit more serious. So yeah, there's just being a bit more consider, uh, considered in, in how you set up that form as well. Yeah. So, yes. And that also that, that form and the information that you get from that form also helps you prepare for that first contact that well beyond the, the, the contact form, but that first conversation that you'll have as much information as you want, you can get through that form and then you have the information that you need to have that conversation and, and be able to filter out the clients that you're not interested in talking to. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Um, so uh, before we, we wrap things up, I wanted to sort of acknowledge the fact that uh, things are different now, right? The, mm. Things are different in the way the economy has shifted and the way that people are are interacting with one another. Is there anything special that we should be doing in terms of acknowledging that in the words that we're using on our website, in the words that we're using when we send emails, um, people are sort of stressed and uh, they're emotional and they're they're worried. Is there anything that we should be doing or should we just be sort of business as usual? Look, I think it comes down to that empathy piece. And I think it's just being aware, um, you know, as I've been talking and the common thread of this whole conversation is that ideal client. So, you know, when you are talking to your clients, you need to put yourselves and, you know, we're all feeling it. So putting yourselves in their shoes. Um, and I think it's just that generosity of knowledge at this point, you know, just being generous and kind to people. I know it sounds really basic, but it's just saying like going that extra step um, because, you know, we're all, as, as I said, we're all feeling it. So, yeah, I think it's just rather than changing anything dramatically, um, it's more just having that extra bit of empathy, you know, giving people a bit more leeway in terms of timings and deadlines and you know if you know you can help them in some way then then do it don't hesitate um so yeah that's my advice yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think yeah. that's very good advice uh nikita before we we uh close close the door here is there um I, well i'd like to ask you the one question that i ask everybody um what is one thing a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow well, look at your words. I mean, that's it comes down to that. Words matter, um, as I've been banging on about. So just really go to your website. Start there. Start small. Start with your website. Start with your homepage. Um, and just, yeah, really nut out a clear value proposition. And it does, it's not easy. It takes time. But that's that's where I would start. All right. Her name is Nikita Morell. You can learn more about her at NikitaMorell.com. Um, I would check out her website for sure. It's a beautiful website, beautiful words. Thank you. <laughs> it, you it does. It resonates very much with me. Um, and so I, I would suggest that you go check out Nikita's website and, and look at how she presented herself and her company and, and learn from it. Um, while you're there, go check out the shop. She's got a bunch of, um, uh, what would you exp explain the shop? Tell me a little bit about the shop. So yeah, the, the shop's been made for the, the small kind of architecture firms that don't have big budgets to hire copywriters because copywriters can be expensive. So yeah, they're just, it's full of toolkits and they're not templates, So, it, but it's a step-by-step -step guide. Um, it's full of real examples of other architecture firms so you can draw from inspiration from them. Um, but yeah, it'll take you step-by-step -step and help you build your about page, your website by. So it just stops you from feeling scared of that blank page. It takes you through and by the end, I can guarantee that you've got something worthy to put up on yeah. your website. Great. So you can find that at NikitaMorell.com at NikitaMorell.com slash shop. It, there's a little link right at the top in the menu. 
I will have links to everything on the show notes, so you can go to the show notes for this episode, uh, and we'll have links to all of that as well. Nikita, this has been a great conversation. Um, I love words, and so I love talking about words, um, and I love how words can affect people. You know, the right words in the right place can really change the way people think. And so uh, it's a really important conversation. So I appreciate you coming by here for a little while and talking about words and how important they are. And uh, I appreciate you for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Mark. You have been listening to episode 331, Copywriting for Architects with Nikita Morell. The link to the show notes and the link to share with a friend is entrearchitect.com slash episode 331. Please share that link with a friend. And I know, I know you've already done this. I know you've shared links with friends before because I know we grow every week because you are sharing. But share this link with a friend that doesn't know anything about what we're doing. Never mind what we're doing here at the podcast. Any, they've never heard of us. Send it to them. EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 331. I would appreciate that. You know, if you are interested in learning more about copywriting for your website, for your proposals, for press releases, wherever you need words to work for you, I encourage you to go visit Nikita's website and learn how you can connect and work directly with Nikita. She'll help you do it. Or visit her word shop. She has a great store there called her word shop, where she offers an affordable series of easy to follow toolkits, everything you need to write better website and marketing messaging. Visit Nikita's Word Shop today at entrearchitect.com slash word shop. One word, word shop, entrearchitect.com slash word shop. And as an added bonus, when you purchase with Nikita, she will share a percentage of your purchase with us here at Entree Architect so we can continue to build valuable resources and content for the Entree Architect community. Isn't that awesome? So visit Nikita's Word Shop at entrearchitect.com slash word shop. So she knows that you are a member of the Entree Architect community if you use that link, entrearchitect.com slash word shop. Go check out Nikita's Word Shop, copywriting toolkits, purchase what you need, and help support what we're doing here at Entree Architect. And that would be awesome. Entrearchitect.com slash word shop. My friends, be well. Be healthy, be happy, safe, and secure. Thank you for listening. Now more than ever, share this with a friend. Love. Learn and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, Stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. 
in drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively that (laughs) then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day, I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.